Welcome to the World of Wisdom podcast. My name is Ahmed Paul, as it tends to be, or as it's been, and as it will probably still be for a while, longer, hopefully. Uh, today, we're going to speak about sharks, sharkonomics, and what that has to do with the world we live in, what we can learn from sharks, and what we uh, maybe can, can realize about our own beings, uh, given how different we are from sharks. Let's see where we go with this. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Stefan Engseth. Thank you so much, Amit. I'm happy to be here. I'm going to sort of just frame the thing like I usually do uh, yeah. and, and ask you that sort of super simple question, that like really light, simple question of who are you, Stefan Engseth? Well, I'm a few years old, but I feel like a two years old because I'm so curious about everything. I like, love to learn things. So, and I do um, ask questions to everyone I meet, different age, uh, different gender, and different cultures. And uh, over the years, I, I'm highly dyslectic, but I developed my own uh, speed reading. So <clears throat> I was reading so many books that I didn't uh, want to leave the library. So I started to live there nearly. And they were really stressed out because uh, since I'm highly dyslectic, I could actually not even find the books because they are an alphabetic, um, how do you say that? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't find the books as I couldn't find the word right now. So I, 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 I copy every reference list and the books I liked and I gave them to different people working there, employees at the libraries, and they gave me the book. And I discovered after a while that most books are copies of old books. So there were maybe 20 pages in every book that was new. The rest I read in other books. So I started to see a pattern over the years. And after writing three books myself, I finally understand what the pattern was. And that was that there's only one species writing books. So since I'm curious, I like to know more. <laughs> so I turned to nature. I started to ask them about books that other species have um, write, but they, they looked at me and uh, like a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they didn't know if they should call the guards and getting me out of the libraries. <laughs> uh, but I, I discovered this, this, you know, this we are, I started to see that we are arrogant and we're not as smart as that we think we are. And, and we repeat ourselves because we're quite lazy as a species. So when we find an answer, we don't questioning that answer. And for that, the, the, the books I, I really like is uh, maybe a thousand years old because then we were more innovative. Today, we're quite lazy and copy old, old knowledge. So then I turned to nature and I looked for answers I couldn't find in, in Homo sapiens. And I, I was blown away how much knowledge there are in nature. And since we live in Sweden, which are a consensus culture, we can say, not many people disagree in meetings and rumors started to go uh, about me because I was nearly getting fired every week when I worked in a big corporation. Actually, my boss and I, we had meetings every Friday with coffee and cake and go, we went through a list of everyone in the organization that wanted to fire me <laughs> because I had <laughs> other opinions. <laughs> so, uh, and then... People starting to call me in Sweden saying, we heard about you. Can you come over to our company and questioning what we are doing? And I said, yes, of course. Uh, 
but why? Uh, and they were saying, because we heard that you're cocky. And I said, I'm not cocky. And they said, we, we want to pay you this much. And I said, then I'm really cocky. <laughs> so so <laughs> I went over to them, uh, but I couldn't find really good strategies because the Homo sapiens book is, is just, you know, it's, uh, it's not updated. So I turned to nature and I found sharks. And sharks are really smart and, 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 and they've been doing what they've been doing for 420 millions of years. And they adapt. And um, economical books have been around for 150 years. So I said, this is not a com- competition. This is so much better. So what I did is I turned to nature and I studied them for about three years. And I did take diving certification. Are you a diver, by the way? Nope. So <clears throat> I went to, you're such a deep person. So that's why I <laughs> thought you were a diver. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> so I turned to nature and, and I went to South Africa and my favorite chalk is the great white chalk. It's the biggest one. So at the time I was about 20 kilos more than I am today. So actually they liked me a bit too much uh, because I was <laughs> fleshy like a seal. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but they, they're highly intellectual. We have so much to learn from them. So uh, I, I started, started to stalk the best chalk experts in the world. I worked together with the best science people for three years. They send me books you can't find in libraries, academic books, and I interviewed them. And I was blown away by, by uh, all the knowledge and uh, discoveries. So that was really, really amazing. I'm also a little bit blown away. I'm sitting sort of marinating in the in the perspective that you just brought in with regards to time. That That, I mean... Humans and humanoids have only been around for so and so many hundreds, hundreds of thousands of years versus like these other species that has, uh, you know, that carry at, uh, uh, at least, you know, a few more million or a hundred million of years of more iterations in their, in their being and in their DNA and in their behavior. Um, that's, I haven't really thought about it in that way before, but that's, um, yeah, didn't want to interrupt you, but, but it's like rearranging some things in my system at the moment yeah mm. it, it, it is really interesting and and um, and, and time is uh, very relevant for us uh, but we don't think so much about time we think about today mm, we don't think so much about the future or the history and we haven't been around there for a long time uh, but I think that's a huge problem with us. And another problem is that we are not connected to nature. And when we are disconnected to nature, nature can re- replace us. And, and there will still be time after us. And that's, that's what's happening a lot. And, and so that's why I learned to love uh, to learn from sharks because they've been around for such a long time. And there's something around this sort of nested because it feels like, I mean, a lot of people are talking about this idea that we believe that we live in linear time, that one thing happens and then the next thing happens and then the next thing happens and then the next thing happens. And then it always gets really, or it used to get really tricky for me when I started to think about circular time, because I was like, what does that really mean? You know, but, but, and, and I, I haven't still, so I can't really answer that. But what I've kind of understood is that, I mean, there are a lot of times that are still going on in a way. Like 
we have a certain problem right now. We're looking at sort of the climate crisis and we're looking at CO2 in the atmosphere and we're looking at, um, you know, watersheds and we're looking at, you know, economic crisis and we're looking at like, there are all these like different crises or different things that are happening, but they're mm. all happening at the same time. And, and all of them are happening. So I need to kind of deal with all of them. And if you look at it in a longer perspective, then like, okay, so I don't know, like what is the reason for humans to have been where we are at this particular moment right now? And then you could argue that, well, it's this sort of climate uh, that we've had since the, what is it called? It's something this, like it's the, the stable climate that we've had for at least the last, whatever it is, like 12,000 or so years. That's like very suitable for for agriculture and so forth that has been sort of allowed us to be stationary in a certain way. And so like all of these things that are happening around us, the context, the nature, if you will, mm. they're, they're really influencing our behavior. But, but a lot of the stuff that's happening in a slower time frame than like the stock market went up or the stock market went down or the CO2 is up or the CO2 is down or like over the past 150 years, it's like, it's hard to pay attention to those longer cycles that are also happening. Like, in the same, at the same time. And like with the oceans and with the sharks and with like whales and with, you know, there's a bunch of stuff going on that we have no attention span to cover um, unless you kind of ask the questions like you seem to be doing. So, mm. No point, just a little bit of rambling about time, but it, it's just something around, it's interesting to like loosen the frame that like 80 years or 100 years or maybe 110 years, which is like a human life cycle, is the relevant or interesting time perspective? What if it's longer or shorter, mm. for that matter? Mm. Like, it's, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, it's uh, I'm thinking in uh, maybe because I'm dyslexic, I'm thinking in pictures. And the pictures I saw when you were describing this was a bunch of alarm clocks that went off at the same time. Uh, that's much the situation right now. And uh, I think a big weakness as we have as as a species is the lack of ability to think a generation ahead mm -hmm. we we are so focused in our present time that that we uh, we sort of uh, we don't think about it but there are wisdoms for um, uh, native americans if you say so uh, uh, they think seven generation back seven generation forward mm -hmm. that makes a huge difference and it, it is a gift to understand time. There is uh, this uh, movie called with Leonardo DiCaprio. What is what is it called? Twenty four hours or Earth hour? Yeah. Anyway, there's a science in that movie saying if we count to count time of Earth existence, we have been her. If we recount it to twenty four hours, humans have been her. 15 minutes. So that could be connected to Andy Warhol's 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and our fame maybe could be over if we don't wake up to the alarm clocks we set off. So, so that there is, um, and th that maybe I could come back to, but uh, I've been thinking a lot about uh, our species when I wrote this book, Sharkonomics. So actually I've been, uh, I started to write a book called Homo Stupido. Mm. Yeah, let's return to that one. 
<laughs> okay, and, and 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 I'm still writing it. I've been doing it for seven years, and and the reason for I've been writing it for such a long time is it's so complex, and uh, also it's um, it's just too much to research. It's a never-ending story because our stupidity is uh, is like uh, a library with uh, no end. Mm. Uh, so so uh, we're not near as smart as we think we are. So we end up doing a lot of stupid things. I think we're the most, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say, <laughs> maybe <laughs> I need to censor a little bit of that content in that book, but but we have a great potential to improve ourselves as a species, if you say so, if I say so. So, so, so that's it. But, but I, what I learned from uh, in charconomics is very much... Uh, uh, the sharks, they don't do a PowerPoint, they take a bite, they were concrete, they were doable. And we are very do- doable as a kids. We do things, but when we grow up, we think, and then maybe we do something. But we need action in, in the situ- situation we are now, so we could learn from sharks. Yeah, let's get into that. Like, So so one of the things that you found was that we're, we're, sharks are very action-oriented. Um, and, and what are the other sort of principles that you've that you uncovered in your work or like in your investigation into sharks? Yeah. So what I did is I boiled down 420 millions of years of evolution into 10 attack strategies and to 10 defense strategies. Mm. And I'm probably the only only person in the world holding workshops in defense uh, for the business community and so on. Uh, Because... All predators are really good at defense, but we don't talk about it because we're not interested in, in to see predators as an intellectual creature. Mm. But they all have defense strategies, and sharks have good defense strategies. So if you're, for instance, a market leader, you have more to lose than to win. So then you need defense strategies. And, uh, and we, we have that in sport, and we have that in the military, but not in the business community. And um, sadly, not having the nature of the defense strategies for for us, it, it has. But um, yeah, it's a, it's another dimension. But, but so, uh, as an example, a gi strategy that normally when you should attack someone um, in the business community, you you have E customers, B customers, and C customers. A customers, you go to C customers, you send a Christmas card every second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but geese customers, <laughs> you swim around in a stealth mode, and there's nothing to defend if you don't see the attack coming. So it's very effective. So, for instance, if you should uh, if you should establish yourself in Iceland and uh, and you go there with your company, and, and they see you, the other ones will uh, protect their business, their market share. So it will be much much harder to get clients but if they can't see the attack coming there's no defense so it's very highly effective way to do the attack and i i give all the credit to sharks because they've been doing this for a long time i'm 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 started their behavior so they are highly highly smart and and effective and and that's that's what they do they do they don't do anything that's not highly effective and they always try to improve I recognize from the business uh, sort of community the wish to be sort of very efficient and effective and and uh, wanting to improve 
as well. I mean, you have these sort of all the lean paradigms that are talking about constant improvement and like that we should improve certain things. But um, what are the, when you talk about the effectivity, like how does the shark know what is effective? Like what's the definition of effectivity? You know, Good question. Um, it is like the shark knows uh, how much uh, it, uh, it's very connected to their, to their own body. And uh, for instance, we have all these devices now telling us how many steps we've been walking and, and how much uh, we consume. And the shark are very much uh, connected to all the facts, uh, how much uh, they produce. And also, uh, for instance, if they attack a seal, and the seal know how to defend themselves. Uh, they will, uh, they will, uh, they will stop the attack immediately because it knows it will gain more and they will use more energy than they could win. Mm. And maybe the seal will cost them five seals to catch. Then they will stop the attack. But in the corporate world. We have prestige, status, and LinkedIn that you want to tell good stories <laughs> at. <laughs> so, so they could they could they could uh, they could spend energy for ten thousand seals just to win one seal. So it's not logical, but a shark would never do that. So every time they do an attack, they want it to be better than the last one. It's mm. like a sportsmanship. They, they, they always want to do it better and better. And you can see that if you see a cat playing with the mouse, they have a playfulness. They do it as a sport. And that playfulness has to, is connected to effectivity uh, to, to, to be, be better at what you do. That's really interesting. Because, I mean, it's, it's a, there's a lot of, I hear a lot of talk about this idea of like, serious play at the moment that we should should engage in serious play and i'm i'm wondering if it's like if it's not the other way around i'm wondering if like we shouldn't engage in more playful seriousness like to really take the the absolutely the most serious topics that we can imagine and like the most pressing problems and pressing you know just and then address them in a playful way that that in all earnesty and like proper sort of really applying ourselves to it but do it in a playful way and, and really experiment and and see like what are the rules that we can bend, what are the rules that we can't bend, like what are the structures that are conducive to, like you're pointing to now, like a more efficiency in addressing the problem uh, versus the structures that are, you know, not and not maybe necessarily even going for a solution, but like allowing ourselves to really test and experiment with something to gain the experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh very interesting. You could say that um Sharks to live by move or die, mm-hmm. and anything that stands still dies, and that goes for concept, concept, strategies, products, and everything. So, in and in nature, innovation is not an option. Innovate or die. That that's how how it is in, in nature. So playfulness is really important. And and I've been doing uh, interviews with uh, humans that actually survived uh, uh, sort of a shark attack. And they said to me that they believe that the shark was playing with them. Mm. 
And I, it's very sensitive to do those interviews. But for, for instance, there are examples where you have uh, persons laying in the sun on the surfer board, you say surfer board? Yeah, yeah. surfboard. Yeah. Relaxing on the, in the sun and suddenly there shows up a great white shark five meter long and pushing them <laughs> alongside the beach, forward and back. Just saying, I'm superior to you, but I like to play with you for a while. And then they move on. So playfulness is very connected to, uh, to move. And, and it's very important. And the fun factor is extremely important. And I did an interview, interview with Carolina Clift, who, who was questioning, everyone was questioning her. Even the government in Sweden was saying, why do you play when you compete why don't you be more serious as a sport person and the other ones she competed again say why do you dance and move and 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 you know it's, sport is not about having fun it's about <laughs> being number one but she right. bet she, she was winning over over everyone and she become number one and world record so and i would say playfulness is really smart and and she she got her muscles to relax and to perform and she had fun, so she was optimizing herself. So it's really, really important, uh, and you know, to have a distance to what you do. Uh, I think that's uh, high, highly important. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. I mean, you already said it in a way as well, but it's like this. There's also a certain ability to focus on the right objective. That uh, speaking of sort of stupid humans, but I mean, in one way. Or another, I have a little bit more compassion with humans, so I say that we're we're often confused, maybe rather than rather than stupid, but or or distracted, perhaps. But it's like um, just this sort of singular-minded focus on energy, as you were pointing to for for the shark, because that is the currency of survival in a way for for the shark. Um, I'm wondering if that is. But then what strikes me is like, what about this whole, because I would argue that the little that I know about sharks, they feel like uh, loners to some degree, that they're not as focused on collaboration as, as we humans are, maybe. How, how is, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that that might be a, an easier strategy if, you're, if you just have to consider yourself. Like if you're a pack animal, then you might have to worry about the social stuff and like belonging and uh, status and other things. Hmm. Uh, good, good question. Well, uh, sharks are um, actually extremely good in, in um, team working, but if one of them are not uh, performing so well, they could eat them up. Hmm. So, German. so uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cannibalism is, is is something that they 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 do a lot. Uh, so, um, and and in, in in the business world, we call that headhunting. So, uh, we we don't actually. Um, we don't move new knowledge into a business field. We headhunt what already is there, and I call that uh, cannibalism. Uh, so, but there are examples. Uh, there are over five hundred species of sharks. So there are examples of sharks that do um, work as a team, and they also work with other species to use their abilities to to detect prey and use their and behavior to to detect prey, uh, but maybe they don't they don't live in a flock as in, with uh, uh, dolphins and so so. But uh, 
they can work uh, really good uh, if there's a big prey, uh, for instance, uh, as a whale. That there are examples when the whale has swim up and want to uh, end their life on the beach. There's an example of seven great white sharks swimming up to it and dragging it together because it's too heavy to deeper water so they could share and eat it and have a picnic outside in the deeper water. So and there are examples. Uh, they, they, they can, um, and there are examples of tribes up to 700 sharks that can work together. So they do, they, they can, they can work together. But normally uh, there's sort of a solo, solo performance yeah, uh, but that has to do that with that it's maybe more effective for them to be alone sometimes. I'm just thinking about this because I mean a, a lot of the stuff that I tend to talk about on the podcast has to do with uh, complexity in one way or way or another, and and um this uh, trend that we have that there are more and more things to kind of focus on, and there are more and more. Um, and the things that are that we need to focus on are also shifting and moving a lot faster, like faster and faster. It's just like a, a revving up both of the amount of parameters to take into your decision making, but also into the speed of like of which those parameters are changing. So it's like it becomes very hard to predict um, predict anything. And so like kind of what you were saying as as well before, but like some of the leading like David Snowden or whatever, like he Dave Snowden, he's talking about sort of a you cannot plan your way anymore through through a cycle but you'd rather have to like you have to sort of make a couple of prognoses kind of eliminate the worst choices and then you have to get out and start testing and playing if you will or like modulating and like see what what are the behaviors that i can engage in and how what what results do they yield like a very quickly figure out like a probe sense respond type rhythm in your business as well and like run a lot of experiments and see like what's working here what's working here what's working here and then do that in a in a good way but i'm i'm really curious about what you're saying with the energy part because i mean at the same time i'm seeing that there are certain parameters that are deep enough if you will or like they're they from they're central enough that a lot of things seem to cascade from them like for instance, energy, like actual energy in, in, I think if we would, for instance, shift our lens from carbon dioxide, we're trying to optimize for or minimize the use of carbon dioxide in our production facilities and instead saying, okay, we're going to minimize the total use of energy, like including raw materials, including all of it. Uh, that would be a better way for us to try to uh, organize our society and organize our efforts in this sort of sustainability space, for instance. Um, but I'm wondering how you think about that sort of many things that you have to optimize for versus few things. And then in relationship to that, what we just talked about with regards to uh, flo- like flocks and like packs of animals versus like single hunters or like single, single individuals that are optimizing for their own energy use, if you will. Well, uh, very interesting question. Um, a shock who is negative will starve. They have to be very optimistic and uh, and they have to deal with the fact that most time they fail uh, when they do their attack. Um, but l- let's say you have a positive uh, mindset and say energy will be free uh, soon. Mm. 
And then you start to hunt for that solution and looking for patterns where how can we uh, make energy free? And, 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 uh, and what's happening then is that things starting to move, move you in that direction uh, to find that solution. And, and there are amazing, um, there are a lot of amazing science and discoveries going on in, in the world um, in energy. But what I found really uh, amazing is how slow it, 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 it adopts and, and gets to the market. And, 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 and for instance, for many years ago, I heard a really cool experiment uh, they were doing uh, in, in um, MIT where you could replace all the glasses in the house uh, to become a solar panel. That was maybe 10, 15 years ago, and I'm still amazed that it's not out in the market and it's part of the solution. Um, but that can be many things as uh, when it comes to humankind, we have a lot of uh, conflicts of interest and, uh, and, and so on. So it can be a lot of things. But I, I, I have some friends that are chronicle positive. Mm-hmm. They tend to get their will. And I have some friends that chronicle negative and they tend to get their will too. And both become really happy when they find a solution. <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, and if you're in an organization and you, um, you can focus the energy on, on, on the right thing, uh, then you can find a solution. But what I found, one thing that I found really amazing is that most organizations I look into, they can't focus. Because our species are really good in disagreeing on a lot of things. Uh, and, but if you're a pack of sharks, what you agree on is the prey. If they disagree, you can start to eat up, eat up each other. And that's what's happening with, with a lot of organizations. People are focusing on competing against each other instead of looking at the prey and what they could achieve on the market. Uh, so, but what's also happening in organizations, in my opinion, is that they're getting fat and happy and lazy when things go good, especially uh, over time. So history is an enemy to the future many times because we get stuck in history because of, uh, we, uh, save energy by doing what we did yesterday instead of moving to the future. And the future is very much uh, what we create. So if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, then there's, a, there's one principle which is around how do we behave? And maybe that's what you're speaking of with those, those uh, because I'm curious about getting back to those defensive strategies as well. But, but it's like one, one part is like, how do we acquire energy? And, and we acquire more energy through attacking, which is like then some of the stuff that we've been talking about and so forth. But then... There's the other part is like, how do we conserve energy, which is, um, well, I mean, now we're speaking about habit formation in a way. Like we, we yeah. do what we're used to doing because then it takes less energy because we have to be less cognitively involved. And like our body knows the pattern and it knows the, the thing and like we, we know the motions. And so, so it doesn't cost as much. Like it's the same neural circuit or like organizational circuit or like same individuals that are involved in the same, in the same thing. Um, is that the right way to hear it? <laughs> yeah, it's um, 
yeah, I've, I've been doing those workshops uh, around the world, and uh, and and I have a list over things that that leads to problem. And and one thing that is a global problem connected to what you say is that uh, they get stuck in history as an organization, and 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 the reason is uh, we we get home blind uh, because we in a the bigger an organization are. Uh, the more we're becoming an aquarium and we're not connected to, to the oceans. And so what's happening is that, that uh, when I ask them how fast do you move, uh, they actually tell me that we move real, real fast. But how, how do you know that? Well, and they give me some facts and then I realize that uh, they think they're moving fast because they're looking at their products, but the things they don't see, the things that move around them, leads to a lot of problems and 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 what uh, science people as uh, uh, Jim Collins team see what why organization disappear is that we denial things so by denying things uh, we think we are saving energy but what we're doing is uh, we become irrelevant for the future uh, by get, getting stuck into the history so it, it's very much connected to um, if we accept uh, that we need to challenge ourselves, but that takes mm-hmm. energy. So in my opinion, we are wired uh, to deny uh, the need of change. And that leads to a lot of problems in organization and leadership. And uh, also then you, it's connected to ego and uh, things uh, that could lead to trouble in, in, in an organization. For instance, one of the major players in technology, um, I was in the boardroom and they asked me, uh, what are the biggest competitors we have, Stefan? And they wanted me to challenge them. So I said, well, they're actually sitting in the room. It's you. Most organizations, they compete with themselves, but they don't see that. Because they denied so much of the need of change and update and so on uh, that they think they could play golf half the day, but it doesn't work that way today. Today you need to challenge yourself every day and develop yourself. When you speak to like the, the need to look at the right horizon, there was something around what you said with regards to the aquarium, which is which is interesting. I mean, you could you could imagine that there's an aquarium, you know, almost standing at the bottom of the ocean, and uh, but at the same time, it's like a fenced off thing, you know. And, and you think you're you're feeling the ocean currents, but you're actually just feeling the circulation of water in the aquarium, which is like an artificial circulation. So, like, yeah, to, to make sure that like which which body of water are you looking at? Like, which water are you swimming in? Like, what is the actual relevant center point or center or relevant horizon maybe that you should be looking at in order to um, yeah. be able to optimize your behavior. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, and, 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 and yeah, so you, you could say that most leaders are like goldfish. They live in an aquarium and they have a, they think that's the reality and they have a very short memory and they think they will be gold all life. So, <laughs> and, but, but another thing about your question that I found interesting, uh, when I talk to investors, they, uh, they are like sharks. They, they think very much in results. So uh, you have to take it, you have to test the market with, 
with your product, with your ideas in the early stage to know if the if it works. And, and one strategy Sharks has that's very effective is that they move in for a test bite. Mm. And when they take a test bite, they back off and they see how the prey react and they see how the market react. And uh, that's called um, the killing zone. So you have to get out there if you get attacked. But most people don't know that. So, But that's what Apple did, for instance. with uh, uh, They did a f- mobile phone with Motorola, putting iTunes in Motorola, but it was a total failure. And uh, they backed off and Nokia and everyone thought it was over, but they came back with the killing bite. And the killing bite is what changed the game uh, forever. But if you... I see corporations and organizations as evolution system. And if you want to improve the, the evolution, the speed of evolution in your organization, you can take many test bytes and, and, and you can see the reaction of those test bytes to speed up evolution, innovation, and be relevant on the market. So, uh, for instance, countries that are, are really hungry, a young economic culture, they often have a high speed of evolution so that they, they can compete really, really fast. So that's, uh, that's very much important. And then it's connected to culture also, uh, how you look at uh, failure, for instance, mm-hmm. if you see failure as a part of the evolution and, and, and uh, see the, the value of failure, so to say. Is there a change difference in between sort of old sharks and young sharks in terms of how they, um, interact and learn is there like observe has, has there been studies done on on that particular sort of behavior differences based on uh age of the actual animal yeah it's uh it is um it's very interesting the the the, the, the most serious uh, shark experts in the world uh, they say that we probably know half of the shark's behavior today so there's a lot of things we don't know but we, you can see good examples of uh, teenage sharks that behave, if they behave wrongly, uh, for instance, uh, when they go to eat or, or uh, to meet, uh, meet up, uh, they will get bitten by the older sharks uh, just so they know uh, how to behave. And, uh, and it's, um, but the, the younger sharks are more uh, willing to take risks just as our teenagers, and uh, and that could cost them uh, a, a lot. And, and and what they don't talk about in, in the television shows uh, about sharks is that actually a lot of uh, their preys are capable of killing them, as the dolphin, as the uh, uh, sea lion, and so mm-hmm. on. So they, they, they can protect themselves really, really well. So the ones that don't learn as a teenager, they, they could easily die. But also, actually what's happening with the great white shark is when the mother should give birth to the shark, um, the kid, it goes into a lagoon and she kills everything that could, that could attack her baby. Mm. And then uh, when the baby pops out, it's about half a meter long, it, um, it, will st- it knows it will stay in the lagoon. And the mother just goes away. So everything that's in the lagoon, it they are capable of attacking. So that builds up their self-confidence. And what's really interesting with this is there is no pa- 
there's no parent who can tell them that you're a girl, you should behave in a special certain way. So they're totally equal in the way they're raised because there's no parents. Hmm. And then they will uh, attack those preys that is, are in the lagoon, and then they will swim out. And the lagoon, you could say, it's like um, a startup community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of, you work together, and, and then you go out and you go for bigger preys and bigger investment. Uh, and, and, and actually, um, the female shark is much bigger, much stronger, and much more creative and much more dangerous. Uh, and I found it really interesting. So, uh, so you, you could say, and they, they, the hierarchy is that the one with haste, higher status, they're allowed to eat first when you cheer uh, a prey. So um, uh, you can see a teenager; they get a lot of bitings uh, to learn how to behave, and then they do the same to the younger ones. Really, <laughs> it's interesting. It's fun to kind of engage in this sort of of thinking of of and I mean because a lot of the critique, I guess, of in that I'm reading when you look at nature and like when you try to apply translate learnings from nature to people, then people call you know blame you for being sort of anthropocentric, centric, and like that we shouldn't uh, project our behavior, like we shouldn't project our our uh, whatever judgments on top of the like on the animals because like oh they don't think like us and they're not cognitive in the way that we are and they're not smart in the way that we are and like it's all this sort of uh, this whole story of sort of human human excellence or like exceptionality in some way um which i think is it's interesting and yet it's really <laughs> it's also really fun to to work with these things and like there are definitely them hearing like principles in there that are that spark my curiosity. And then, then I'd probably have to sit with them for a little bit of time to realize, to kind of feel into like, what are the, like, what are the patterns here that I could, could like really learn from and really apply as is. And what are the patterns that I'm like, could, I could use as like a direction or like as a starting off point or like for a thought experiment or for an actual experiment. And what are the patterns that are maybe I need to discard because the, the context is just different. Uh, mm. you, we, we could connect it to uh, you say playfulness um, as a kid we learn to walk by falling down uh, as grown ups we never do that we, we just we're stuck uh, and, but it, it's, it's important to, to fall down and it's important to be in a state of mind or trial and error and, and, and many times you see startups in the beginning they're in a trial and error and they're all like kids they fall down, they do mistakes and then they take in more senior management and they don't allow them to take risks anymore. And what's happening often, the, the culture become more and more um, as a lean culture with, uh, you know, process and everything. And then uh, the big thinkers, they, uh, they don't like it because they're not allowed to take risks anymore. So, so then they, they move on to a brain drain and the biggest... Uh, uh, brains they move on to something else because they they like to uh, uh, they like the playfulness to be more uh, broad and more acceptance uh, and so it, it is very much connected but also for instance the whole body of the shark is is so effective it's uh, 
it's optimized for the hunt uh, and it's optimized in the way that it should be with speed and stealth mode. And uh, what's really shocking when I was, uh, I don't consider them being uh, deadly in the way that, uh, you know, they're not, uh, they're not designed to attack us, uh, for instance. Um, and nature has been really kind to us because we're not really good prey. It's just too much bone and too little flesh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's really nature has been really kind to us. But but they're highly effective and they're really hard to see, even if they're a couple of meters away from you. They're really, really hard to see because they know how to move in the sun and in the shadows. And, and it's a, it, it is a wow factor to, to be in the water and, and see how effective they are. If I if I try to synthesize like a lot of what you were talking about, try to bring it down to like even even a few, but then it sounds like what I'm hearing is that there's a there's a real optimization for a specific environment. So it's like they seem to be extremely sort of context aware and context dependent, and they're constantly moving in the best way that they possibly could in that particular environment. That is like a constant communication going on there, and I think. That might be sort of the main trick that we've been we've been doing as, as human is like we've we've separated ourselves from the world and, and put ourselves in little artificial containers. So like either you you were talking about the company in one end being like the aquarium, but then I'm thinking like, okay, so the aquarium is like inside of the dolphin park, and then the dolphin park is probably like sort of the economy. You know, I mean even the economy yeah. is separated from sort of the biophysical reality of our world. In a way, yeah. like we've we've made all these artificial sort of separations from, I I, I don't say nature because it feels again like a separation in a way, like it's over there, and that I think we are nature, and so yeah, it's not us being relating to nature, but it's actually that we are it, like so, but but it, it has to do with that remembering of that whatever we do, whatever happens, we're always in relationship to a bunch of other stuff and other people and like whatever we're looking at is going to control what we optimize for. And at the moment we're looking maybe very much too close to our own, you say in Swedish, right? You, you only look at the tip of your own nose, like, yeah. or like the Buddhists say, like we're only looking at the finger instead of looking at the moon and like trying mm. to figure out how to get there in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I also think one problem with humans is that we're stuck in our brain. Uh, we think we think so much. We need to um, uh, we need to go back to the stage where we were kids, and actually, uh, then we were trying things out, trying solutions out. You can see that how kids are playing, and they sort of uh, experiment a lot, and uh, and they use their bodies to think. They move their whole body, the whole system, and we go mm-hmm. to the gym. Uh, but the gym is uh, not made for us to think. Maybe we should have a new form of gym where you have to use playfulness to train. That would be really cool. It would look, I believe, more like going into the jungle, for instance, and you should um, climb and you should do things that we actually are designed for. And then we could use our creativity and our survivor instinct uh, to train and to interact in a way that uh, are useful for for our creativity and our body at the same time, and I have never thought about this idea before, so it feels uh, really nice. <laughs> it's yeah, because I'm I'm hearing there's a there's a book called Range by uh, a, a journalist called David Epstein, who is 
he's really questioning this whole thesis of the 10,000 hours that, that mm. sort of in order for us to acquire expert ex- expertise in something, we need to have 10,000 hours of experience. And he's just saying, he's like, well, it could be true, but it's only true for things where you have like a very clear feedback mechanism so that you can know that when I do this thing, then this is, it gets better. I do this thing again, it gets better. I do this thing again, you know, but it's like anything that has to do with the context and like being able to respond to a context like climbing a tree because not all trees are the same or like actually even more so like playing soccer or playing tennis or playing something where you have an opponent. So whatever you do is going to trigger a response from the other side and you're going to have to respond to the response, so to say. So like it gets very, um, well, they talk about wicked problems. So like problems where the feedback loop is not clear. And yeah. that's also what you're speaking to with the historicity, like that we think that what we did yesterday is what made us successful. But in reality, it might've just been just dumb luck. Like none of the stuff that we might've done, you know, it might've just been sort of the market conditions were good and the weather was sunny and, you know, you happened to whatever and something and something. And you think like all of this stuff that I did that I was so elaborate about, that's what made it success. But as a matter of fact, it had nothing to do with it. You're just, you know, and then you go to the next place and you wreck the whole thing because the context is different uh, by doing exactly the same stuff. So it's like, that's what he's talking about in the range book. It's like we, certain things we need with and like we actually need to practice and like use our body to discover things. And in that discovery, that's how we, how we develop a range of responses. And then when we come into the situation, that's when we can start understanding something and then we can apply the relevant stuff because we've tried or played or done something before so we there's like a different way of knowing than just conceptual um, yeah i i think it was the malcolm gladwell outliners who, who came up with the 10,000 at least the one who become famous for it yeah and and i was thinking how the shock works well they they are they are much more if they will never spend 10,000 hours uh to uh, learn something that will change and instead they spend uh, uh, time and 420 millions of years to become what they are and and they react to things uh, but uh, they they don't um, they adapt themselves for instance there are sharks that are over 500 species and there are sharks that that are uh, have adapt into uh, the environment so uh, if if pollution will be increased they will survive so if we will disappear they will survive and mm. uh, so and there are sharks that could actually walk on land because when the water disappeared many times they did did learn that so they they're highly adaptable so i, I would say that I, I i like his idea it's it's not about learning it's about adapt to what's happening right now and I don't have 10,000 hours. If a shark should spend 10,000 hours to adapt to that environment in the oceans, they will be uh, they will be shark food for other sharks or other creatures. So they don't they don't have 10,000 hours. But and and when it comes, to, I spend a lot of um, I, I I see patterns, weaknesses, and strange and everything. That's what I do, and even in myself. And what I try to do uh, with my personal development is to spend time to develop myself so I can react and adapt to things. But that doesn't mean I need 10,000 hours uh, to adapt to it. It's more that I want to be connected to myself 
so I know how to interact with the environment that I that shows up for me or the person that shows up for me. It's 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 more about that to know if I'm a shark or if I'm a dolphin or what I am. <laughs> right. So yeah, I like that. I like that because then it's also about I mean responsiveness is one one part. And then the adaptability is another part. And then it's some, something around sort of if we can. No, that's a gone. I had a thought and now it's gone. We'll see. We'll figure out something else. But that, that's interesting, I think, with, with regards to the adaptability, because I, I think mm -hmm, it's so easy to come with one solution and, and to kind of come with one strategy, one path. That's what I was going to say. Like one way of approaching something that's supposed to fix all of it versus sort of, well, we know what the goal is. We know where the horizon is. We know where we're pointed. We've followed, we kind of know where the compass is pointing. And then um, wh which by whichever way that we get there is good, you know? Yeah. It's good enough. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we can iterate. And as we iterate, we, we increase the possibilities, the different, like the ways that we could get there. But it doesn't have to be so that we limit ourselves to. Because I, I mean, it's, I'm just thinking about this concept of uh, redundancy, like different paths to get to the same end. Like that, that mm. is something that is ugly or, or like wrong in our economy that we're saying like, oh, we should have the lean. So we're only doing one thing really well, but that's so dangerous in a world where things are shifting. And like that really reduces our adaptability, I think, when we're really making, being efficient and doing it, doing one thing in one way. Yeah. What if we did one thing in 15 ways or 30 ways or like that, that would be a completely different story. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's very interesting what, what you, you addressing. And, and I would say it's, um, one thing is the ability to adopt, but what I found really interesting in many organizations and many, uh, key persons in, uh, is, is not the ability, it's the willingness. A lot of people have the ability to adapt, but they don't have the willingness to adapt. So they, they don't want to change whatever it costs them. And, 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 and maybe that's connected to sort of the evolution uh, of things that we should leave room for new people or leave room for new solutions. So uh, there is sort of a, a lot of the solutions are, are getting outdated because there's coming new solutions. There's sort of a, no, it's the own, it's sort of can be the ecosystem of how things are replaceable. So uh, we should ask ourselves, do we want to be replaced or do we want to adapt and change? Yeah. As that sort of bend or break idea. Like, yeah. But, but there aren't, there isn't a don't move. Uh, concept that's not there like it's it's bend or break it's not the other option isn't there like you no. one or the other you know yeah 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 it is it is so uh, what i'm saying to i do quite many elections for uh organizations associations for instance bank and finance and, and construction so uh, my opening line is often uh you are shock food because you, you're fat and happy. So I'm here to tell you how to start moving. And, and they get shocked. But if I don't shock them, they don't want to move. So it's important to, to uh, sort of uh, face the fact that, that uh, 
if you don't move, you're going to be replaced. And 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 uh, and uh, many times the denial is so big that they need to be bitten before they know it hurts uh, to be attacked. Cool. We're coming up to the end of our time. Uh, I'm wondering, is there something, uh, some other parting words that you would like to, something that I didn't ask about, something that we didn't get to that we should have, um, or that's sort of salient to you, uh, or you would like to, to bring in? Yeah. Um, th- there's sort of a, um, you could say, um, don't act like a victim when you have sharks around because they, that could trigger an attack. Um, and always die with more flashy friends than yourself. So you become <laughs> number two. <laughs> that's very important. <laughs> so uh, that's good good defense. And uh, attack is, of course, good defense. And, um, and find out where your blind spots are, very important. And sometimes it can be really good to be on lodge logical when you do the attack for instance if i should attack a corporation like apple i would attack them at the iphone because they don't think there will be an attack at the iphone because they think they're strong but in my opinion there's quite they're quite low in innovation for the moment and uh, so think the opposite and think out of the box or out of the aquarium and always uh, study what's below the surface because the surface is what you see and the business press and and, and and what people are talking about, but what's happening uh, soon is what's below the surface. So that's really, um, uh, really impor- important. Um, but being fat and happy is not a good situation. And you could see a lot of businesses was fat and happy before digitalization. Uh, but now you have digital sharks as Google and uh, Facebook and and a lot of organizations moving globally to every every water there is. So uh, think globally and uh, move and uh, don't get lazy and fat and happy and uh, o- always looking for hunger. Always be hungry uh, for, for the next uh, thing, the next big thing or small big thing. Uh, change, change is positive. Change is not an enemy. So that's what I want to say. Thank you for all the good questions. <laughs> Thank you for, for engaging with us. And if people want to find you uh, and uh, interact with you or, or hear more about your lectures, where where do they do that? Thank you. It's uh, sharkonomics.com or they could um, Google my name, Stefan Engelset, or they could go to detectivemarketing.com. Cool. I'll put the links for the Sharkonomics and the detective marketing in the show notes if you want to find Stefan. Um, yeah, this is a bit of a different episode and a bit of a different... Uh, topic so um, 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 it's fun to consider sharks for for uh, a few <laughs> for a little bit uh, thank you Stefan for taking the time to thank, thank you so much and thank you for letting me share the knowledge from from nature which you listen to